Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I'm Coralie, and um, today I'm also a walking billboard for, for Alpha. So, find my pages away. So, if you have questions about faith, come to Alpha. If you have questions about what's happening at Alpha or any details at Alpha or how you can be involved in Alpha, come and chat to me and I'll try and inform you. Okay, I am here to read God's Word today um, and our passage today is from Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 14. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And as the high priest was there, and so were Cyphus, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Good morning, everybody. I'm Trace, one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege this morning uh, to bring the word. I was about eight years old uh, when I first was confronted with the idea that other people don't necessarily like Christians. That's pretty young, but also uh, it was this kind of situation where I was with my friends and I was talking about how I'd been to church and they laughed at me. And I was like, and I just couldn't understand. Why would you be laughing about the fact that I go to this amazing community and I have these uh, people who love me and, you know, I go and I learn about God and I, I love Jesus and they were laughing at me. And I remember at that time just kind of learning a lesson it's like, if you don't want to be laughed at, don't talk about going to church. Don't talk about your faith. And uh, it began a bit of a journey for me. Persecution has been a part of the Christian walk 
for a really, really long time. Uh, these days, in Australia, our persecution can look like uh, being shunned by people. It might be a snigger. It's just kind of social embarrassment. It may look like uh, missing out on a job promotion. It may be being significantly bullied. But here in Australia, uh, we don't suffer the same persecution that has been suffered for years by many for their faith and for others around the world. And so we can certainly be grateful for that. But I have no doubt in my mind that our persecution as Christians is ramping up. And today, in this story, we actually have the privilege of having a front row seat into the story in Acts where the very first time the church was persecuted occurred. So let's uh, start uh, the story. Uh, Daryl uh, described this story and preached on this story, um, the beginning of it, just a couple of weeks ago. So let's go back to that time. We are at the temple. Peter and John have gone uh, there and they have found a man who is lame, who could not walk, and every day he's brought to the temple, and they have healed him miraculously in the name of Jesus. And this man is ecstatic. He is jumping. He is leaping for joy. And it causes this commotion because this man was well known. Every time uh, they came to the temple, they would pass this guy. And they recognised him. And now there was amazement at the fact that he was not only healed, but he was able to leap for joy. He was completely restored. And so, over the course of that afternoon, people were just in their astonishment. They were engaged with uh, Peter and John as Peter preached, and he told what had happened, why it happened, and through whom it had happened. And he gave the gospel message. And in that process, many, many people joined that early church. Uh, it went from 3,000 to 5,000 men. And as uh, Daryl explained, that would have been at least 10,000 people uh, that heard that gospel and decided to follow Jesus. This was at best just weeks after Pentecost. So the church was very young and had grown significantly in that very short time. And so this is where we're going to pick up the story today and we're going to examine this drama as it unfolds. The Sadducees were greatly disturbed. Greatly disturbed. Now, let me explain why the Sadducees might be greatly disturbed. The, the Sadducees were actually the religious um, liberal people in the temple. They were kind of in cahoots a bit with the Roman government. And as long as they kept order, everything was fine. As long as uh, there weren't any uh, ruffles about the Romans, left them to it. 
And so the Sadducees, uh, they liked things just being at, uh, just running in an ordered way. They liked the fact that there was a regular income from how the temple was run. And something interesting about the Sadducees is that they only believed in the early part of the New Testament. So they actually didn't believe that there was a spiritual realm around and they also didn't know of the prophecies of Jesus. So what Peter was saying was really, really confronting. It was like a double whammy for these religious liberals. So the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people and they're greatly disturbed because what they were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And so then they've seized Peter and John and then because it was evening, they have placed them in jail. So we can have a look at the timeline of this and it looks like they were there for three hours. They're preaching for three hours uh, before they were seized and they were placed in jail. Now, I can only imagine the uh, leaders, these Sadducees, all the leaders gathered together and just that night going, what on earth is going on? We thought we dealt with this a long time ago. We thought we dealt with this when Jesus was uh, walking around. We thought we dealt with this when we crucified him. Job done. We don't have to worry about this anymore. And now we have his followers continuing. This nightmare just doesn't seem to stop. And then I think about Peter and John as they're in jail also recognising that the last time Jesus had healed somebody and proclaimed the gospel, he was also taken and they had no idea what they would do with them either that night. And so we have their response. We have their response which was they were seized and they went off to jail, and there is no record here of them uh, resisting at all. They followed the example of Jesus, they submitted to the authorities, and we are also asked to follow in that example as well. We're not called to defend with arms, we're simply asked to follow Jesus and to do things peacefully. It says, the next day, the next day, the rulers, the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And then it goes on to describe all the people that were gathered there. Now, this is significant people because this was like the high court. They were amongst the high court. This was a significant problem for them, but they had gathered in the high court. But Jesus had said that this was going to happen. So they, they placed them there and they began to ask some questions. But in Matthew 10... 17 to 20, it actually, Jesus actually warns them. He says, be on your guard. 
this is going to happen. You will be handed over to the local councils. You'll be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. They were, they were warned. So they knew that this was going to happen. And when Jesus spoke of these things to them, it must have seemed quite surreal for them. But here they were. They had indeed been arrested. They had a spent, spent a night in jail. They didn't know what their day was going to end like. But they are asked then the very best question they could possibly have been asked. They were asked, by what name, by what power and what name did you do this? It's almost like somebody else was in control of this situation, isn't it? Because this is such a leading question. This is a golden opportunity. He was in that moment given absolute licence to give the gospel message. What a wonderful gift. They not only had this incredible audience with the most influential people, but they were also taken straight to the topic. It goes on to say that then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke has deliberately included this in his account in Acts because it is a really important detail. Before he says anything about what uh, John actually says, Luke highlights that he's filled with the Holy Spirit just as Jesus promised would happen. So back in Matthew it says... Then Peter, uh, at that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father will be speaking through you. Isn't that awesome? They are in this most incredible, high-pressure situation. And the Holy Spirit was speaking through them. Luke isn't talking about the time that John had been filled with the Holy Spirit before. The Greek here is actually talking about a present action. The Spirit was in Peter in this time. It not only happened at Pentecost, but it was now also there in this need in that moment. The Spirit had fallen on Peter again and was equipping him in this desperate time of need. And he was just empowered through that Holy Spirit. And how awesome that we also have access to that Holy Spirit in our time of need, in those high pressure moments. Goes on to say, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people! Exclamation mark. I love that. What confidence. He stands there in absolute confidence in front of the highest people in the courts. And he says, Rulers and elders of the people. If we are being called out today for an act of kindness 
shown to a man who was lame and being asked how he was healed, then know this. Being call, he's calling them out. He's saying, are you really serious right now? We have just healed a man. He was lame for years and years and years. We have healed him. We have come and then described how this amazing thing has happened. We have shone a light of hope into your future. Are you actually serious right now? Because you're calling us out here for an act of kindness. He then goes on to say, Then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he declares straight up front, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you have all crucified, by whom God has then raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He's saying, you guys, you are the one that has killed Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then he's saying, this is a man that you have rejected. He is the cornerstone of everything, the most important thing on which we can place our faith. He goes on to say, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given for mankind. This is significant. He is preaching the gospel. He is preaching it boldly. And he is saying here really clearly exactly what has happened, why it's happened, in whose name it has happened. It is so important for us today to keep a focus on keeping our gospel message simple. He has summed it up really clearly. Jesus is the way for salvation. And Jesus is the only way. Salvation is found in no one else. If you're here today and you're thinking that Jesus is one way to reach God, and sometimes in our desire to be all inclusive, we can say that there are many ways to God. But I need to tell you today that there aren't. Jesus is the only way to God. And if I tell you anything different today, I am leading you astray. Jesus is the only way to our salvation. You need to know this truth today. You can come to church your whole life. You might be the nicest person here, but this is the message of Jesus and in the whole New Testament that unless you put your trust in Jesus and follow him, you do not have salvation. So when they saw this, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realised that they were unschooled. The courage was absolutely huge. The stakes could not have been higher. And yet the spirit had held them. These men were ignorant Galileans. They had stepped into this world of high education and this wisdom in society. It's so important for us to realise that these guys were fishermen. 
And they were standing in front of the most learned, educated people. These people had been trained from birth. They had been educated every day. And here they are standing before them as fishermen who in their trade required very little academia and it would be almost like running a conference today and having on, on something really academic and then just having somebody come up onto the stage and go, hey, 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 let me tell you about this. Somebody completely unschooled. And that's what we have here. We have a picture of this. But as I was thinking about that, that's the same story of Jesus. Jesus was a carpenter. He was the same. He had sat at the feet of rabbis. We, we learn about this when we hear about Jesus being in, in the temple and how he was drawn to learn. But this is the same situation. Here they are, they've just healed a man and now they have the audacity to stand before these highly educated people and tell them. And the people, oh, I don't know what happened. The people were, the, 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 the judges that are sitting there, they're all trumped. They are standing there just wondering how on earth are we going to deal with these guys? What can we say? He has said it super clearly. There is evidence standing before them even as they look across to that man who actually came back. We don't know. He might have been imprisoned with them as a witness. We don't know about the, the lame man, but he is standing there. It says that persecution is going to happen and this is how they dealt with their persecution. They responded. They responded peacefully. They responded in tune with the Holy Spirit. They were making sure that no matter what was going on, they were just going to be in tune with the Holy Spirit, just as we need to as well. Because without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, without being in tune with God, we're just running on our own. We clearly need the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And I just love how clearly they declared the gospel. They said, it's all in the name of Jesus. He died, he rose, and he's the only way. He's the only path to salvation. And they were bold. How bold were they? The courage that day to stand up and just be ready to be witnesses of our Lord. Their boldness was amazing. And I am just so pleased that God can use the ordinary. I am not an academic. 
Can I just say that uh, as as a kid, I had learning difficulties. I there were I was in the bottom of the class all the way through, and often um, my sister she was kind of ducks every year of the year level. So you know, I I didn't think anything of it. It was fine. I just went along and and plotted way, my way through. It is so good that God does not require us to be amazing academics. He just requires us to be in tune with him, seeking knowledge from the Bible, learning, understanding throughout our everyday. But this is what we know. God can use each and every one of us. If he is able to use a couple of fishermen to then stand and boldly proclaim the gospel in the highest court, he can use each one of us. There is actually nothing that we can, can be that isn't good enough for our Lord. We can be used in every situation. But I think we need to take note of this formula. We need to respond peacefully. We need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. And we need to clearly declare the gospel. Boldness is what it is going to take in our times of persecution. So where are you called to be bold today? What does boldness look like in your life? I was um, struck during the week. We were in a supermarket and I'm just paying and, you know, there's this young guy at the register and he said, what are you doing on the weekend? And I could have just said, ah, just having family time. I could have said, ah, just watching a couple of movies, doing the housework. I could have listed all the other things. Um, But in that moment, I was like, oh, going to tell him that I'm off to church. Just all the other things. I'm off to church on the weekend. You know, he was a young guy that goes to another church in Capalaba. And he goes, oh, what church do you go to? And I'm like, oh, Sunnybank Baptist. And he's like, oh, okay, that's awesome. And in that moment, I could see that I'd actually encouraged him. I didn't know. You never know what you're going to get. But, you know, when you're paying for your shopping, it doesn't really matter. You can just be bold. You can say you're going to church. You can be intentional about that. You can be intentional at school when people are talking about what you're doing on the weekend. You can say, I'm off to church. I am doing that. It is part of who I am. You might be picking up the kids at school pickup and you can be talking with the other parents and you can say, hey, you know, what are you up to on the weekend? I'm off to church. At the hairdresser, my hairdresser, she asks me all she asks me all kinds of curly questions all the time. She knows. She 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 knew that I had been at Gateway. She'd seen me there one day. She's far from the Lord, but she she loves to engage with conversation with me about faith. Now it's not awkward. I'm not, I'm not kind of going there and, you know, bringing it up constantly and that's all I ever talk about. But I'm open to it and I actually say to her, oh, I love it how you ask me questions about God because I just, I just love wrestling with those things with people. Keep doing it. Keep, I keep inviting her to do that. Sometimes at the nail salon, 
you know, ladies, you, if you ever go to the nail, get your nails done, you're there for a solid hour. That's a fair amount of time. And so usually I'm sitting next to somebody or the, the nail technician just having a good yarn and then, you know, it can come up in conversation. Uh, our neighbours, all of these places where we can be bold. And right now as a church, we're calling for everybody to be bold in inviting people along to Alpha. That is an amazing opportunity that we have. It is such a gift to us as a church that we have a program that, you know, we can invite people along to that isn't going to be too confronting. It's a safe place. And we can just say, hey, if you just come along with me, that would be great. But it does take boldness. It takes boldness in a society where Christianity is an it's not very popular. And so it takes boldness for us to do that. So what can be stopping you today? Is it that you're fearful? Because we do not have to be afraid. The Holy Spirit is with us and will guide us. Is it a feeling of inferiority? Is the devil just in your ear just telling you that you couldn't do this? Because that is definitely a lie. You can. You can be bold in his name. Or are you just waiting? Are you just waiting for the opportunity? The opportunity hasn't come. And you've been waiting for a few years now for that opportunity. Don't wait. Be bold. Put yourself out there. At the end of this passage... They had sent uh, Peter and John out. They didn't know what to do with them. They're like, oh, and they're debating amongst themselves. And then in verse 18, they call them back in again and they've commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Can you just stop it, guys? Can you just stop this? If you just stopped it, all of this problem would go away. So just stop what you're doing and everything will be fine. We'll let you go. It'll all be fine. And at that moment, they could have said, oh, okay, look, how about if we just go to the hillside? How about if we stop coming to the temples? How about if we, we compromise a little bit and we, we, we take notice of some places that might be safe? But they didn't. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judge, but as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Then after further threats, so they continued to threat them, threaten them, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all of the people were praising God for what had happened for the man that was healed miraculously was over 40 years old. The evidence before them was too great. Can you even imagine walking past somebody as a, a temple official coming in every day and walking past this man for up to 40 years? They have walked past this man and then one day he's no longer sitting outside the temple because it said he is standing 
before them. And I think they have used that word standing very deliberately because that's what he's doing. He is standing there. The evidence was too compelling. And then they have left. They have gone back with the other believers. And in verse 31, after they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And that is what we are called to do today, friends. We are called to speak the word of God boldly and be encouraged by this first example of persecution as we live out our life faithfully declaring the gospel to those around us in whatever way we can, as we work with the Holy Spirit in our lives. Please join me as I pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this incredible story of faithfulness, of courage. Lord, I thank you that you can use just ordinary people, ordinary people who are just faithful to your word, Lord. And so, God, I pray as a church here today that we would also step up. We would also step up in our boldness. Lord, I pray fervently that you would use each and every one of us. Would we be listening to your spirit in our everyday life? Lord, would we be confronted with opportunities? Would they be obvious to us in our everyday coming and going? where we can be used by you to declare your gospel message. I pray today for those who are praying, for those people to invite to Alpha. Lord, would you prompt us? Would you guide us? I pray for courage among your people here today, that we would be just like Peter and John, that we would be bold as we invite people along to Alpha. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing on your people today. I pray, God, that as we go out to our week, that you would be with us in all that we do. Would we shine your light in Jesus' name. Amen.